we're talking about um, being citizens in the kingdom of heaven. We're, this is a, you know, one of our themes that we're, that we're going through right now. And, uh, and as, as I'm, we're going to look this morning at a particular parable. So if you want to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at the Luke 19, the parable of the ten minas. Luke 19, the parable of the ten minas. We're going to kind of break that down. But, uh, be, but before we get into that, um, and, and what we're going to look at this morning, let me say this, what we're going to look at is engaging in the business of the kingdom, engaging in the business of the kingdom. And, and now that's a very broad, broad subject. So we're really only going to look at two small aspects of it, you know, kind of two things that, that really apply to all of us as we, we dive down into it a little bit. And, and, but the, Paul tells us this in Ephesians. This is what he says. He says, we're no longer strangers and aliens. And he's talking about to the kingdom of God. We're no longer strangers and aliens. The, the, the Greek word there is hagios. And it means more than just people. It includes all the host of, of heaven. It includes the divine council. So we are members of the... This is what Paul tells us. And so when we, when we come to this parable here, and it starts off in Luke 19, verse 11, it says this. As they heard, parable is this. And a parable is, seeks to make one point. That's what a parable is trying to do. It, it's not meant to be this full analogy on every level. It's meant to try to get a point across, a lesson across. Now, in this parable, it's a little bit unique because it actually pulls together a couple of thoughts at the same time. And we'll look at those. But he says this, because... ...appear immediately. Now, the first century Jews... We're waiting for the kingdom of God to appear immediately, to happen right now. How many remember uh, Simeon, the prophet Simeon, uh, uh, when Jesus was born? He, the Lord told him, before you die, you will see the Messiah. And w what does it say in Luke? It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. I mean, remember Anna, the prophetess. It says that she was in the temple constantly praying. What was she doing? Waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Remember uh, Joseph of Arimathea. He's the guy from the council who buries, who takes the body down off the cross. And what does it say about him? It says he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was looking for the kingdom of God. So even the Pharisees in Luke 17 are, are talking to Jesus and, and they ask him, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When is it going to appear? And even there, J Jesus is telling them, it's coming, but it's not coming the way you think it is. It's coming in the midst of you. And so here he is. He's coming to Jerusalem, and, uh, uh, and he's the, the, he knows the mindset of the people is they're looking for a king. Picture, and we know it as Jesus' first coming and his second coming. His first coming and his second coming. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of us as, 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 uh, as believers, we've sort of spiritualized the kingdom of God. It's like, well, the kingdom of God is heaven, and I'm just waiting to get there. No, the kingdom of God has come. And so I, that, that point in time that Jesus was talking about with John the Baptist was culminated at the Feast 
of Pentecost. Feast of Pentecost, we celebrate, it's coming up. How many remember the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and all of a sudden there were power and signs and wonders going out? Well, that was a unique moment. It was prophesied multiple places. Peter talks about it in Joel. And what was unique about it is most of us think or we've heard that that was the birth of the church. It wasn't the birth of the church. The word church refers to the people of God all the way back to the beginning. I don't know how many know this, but the word for church is ecclesia. Well, you can look in the Greek Old Testament and see the ecclesia was present at the mountain when God gave the Ten Commandments. The people of God have always been the church of God. What was unique, what was different is that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all across the board and we become the temple. So where we put our feet is now holy ground. We are the kingdom of God. And, and this is what Jesus is trying to prepare them for as he's going into this uh, parable right here. He's trying to say that, that Pentecost was this hinge point in time. People were looking for it, but now we are living it. So we have a kingdom of God. What? It's, an, it's, it's a lot of scholars call it. It's the already but not yet. Anybody ever heard of that term for the kingdom of God? It's already but not yet. Pressed being delivered from demons. We see Satan defeated at the cross. The poor and the outcast are given good news. Salvation has come to whosoever will. You no longer have to travel to Israel to be in the land of God. The Holy Spirit is poured out and available to all who call on him. But yet, there's this other aspect of the kingdom. As the disciple said when he's ascending, hey, are you going to restore it now? And what are we looking for? How many are looking forward to the final resurrection of the dead? How many are looking forward to no more sin and death and disease? How many are looking forward to the hungry being fed and the weeping laugh? How many are looking forward to final judgment, final justice, all things being made right? How many are looking forward to no longer by faith but by sight? You see... What's the one event that ties these two aspects of the kingdom together? And that's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can engage right now in this world, in the kingdom of God, doing the business of our master, doing the business of our Lord, bringing the kingdom of God all over this world so that the world is ready for the final coming of the kingdom of God. Is everybody with me? Because this is the setup for this parable as we break into it. All right. So engaging in the business of the kingdom. So the, starting the parable, parable again, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And what's he do? Calling together 10 of his servants, he gives them 10 minas, and he says to them, engage in business until I come. He doesn't say to his servants, just wait around, I'll be back. He says, engage in business until I come. And then he says this, but citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. So this parable, a little bit different than others, it gives us two classes of people. There are two classes of people in this. The first class are the servants. Who are the servants? They are representatives of the kingdom of God. They are called to engage in the kingdom of God. And as a servant, just like Pastor Terry was sharing earlier as we see opening up, 
A servant is what? One who does what the master wants done. One who represents the master. One who's looking for the will of the master and engaging in everything in the name of the master. That is the kingdom of God on earth now. And these are the servants. This is who he's speaking to at this part of the parable. But he has a second class in here. Who's that second class? They're citizens who hate him. Who are those? These are those who reject Christ as king. We're not going to do it this morning. Go back and read Psalm 2. It's what Psalm 2 is all about. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? Why do they cast off the bounds? The Lord sits in his throne and laughs in derision, it says in Psalm 2. So, so we have two classes of people. We have this first class who are the servants who are to represent him. We have the second who, who are the citizens. God created this whole world that we would image him, but they are rejecting their king. Now, notice we only have two choices. Notice there's only two choices. Either Christ is your king or not. There's no other choice. Either he's your master or you're rejecting him, according to this parable. Does everybody see that? Everybody with me? Is it amen or oh my? (laughs) All right. So let's keep going. So when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants... Uh, to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had done by doing business. Notice something. When Jesus comes back, he's bringing those who are his servants and saying, what did you do while I was gone? Who's he talking to? He's not talking to those who were rejecting him. He's talking to those who claim to be his servants. He's coming back. He's telling the story. He is coming back. And when he's coming back, he's going to hold account. What did you do, you who claim to be my servant? He ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Now, I have another question as I've been thinking through this parable. Okay, what is the money? If it means to engage business in the kingdom, what's the currency of the kingdom? Keep that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that. Now, what I did note that's, about, that's this parable. How many know there's another parable called the parable of the talents? And the parable of talents, he gives, he gives five to one, three to one, he gives one to another. And it's different amounts, right? It's different amounts. But in this one, there's ten servants, and he gives each one one. Each one gets one. So they all get the same thing in this. This one's a little different. It's meant to teach us a little bit different lesson, I think. Now, let's keep going. And, and so, uh, uh, oh, I left at verse 16 now. So verse 16 says this. The first one comes to him and says, what did you do with the money that I've given you? And he says, um... Um, uh, 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 this one mina that you gave me, I've made 10 minas with it. I took this one and turned it into 10. Now, a mina, for, for, for us, just to understand, it's about three months' worth of wages. So this was no small amount. He gave him a big chunk of money. Take, imagine taking three months of paychecks and say, here you go. That's enough to get you started to engage in the kingdom. All right. And so, verse 17, he said to them, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful with a very little. Notice that. Three months, that was very little. Because you've been faithful with very little, you will have authority over ten cities. Did you, do you catch what, what's going on here? 
What we do in this life right now, engaging in the business of the kingdom matters for eternity. Your life right now, if you claim to be a servant of God, matters for eternity. If you claim that you're engaging in business in the kingdom, what and how you engage in the business of the kingdom matters for eternity. What determines how you will reign and rule with Jesus when he returns is how we engage now. I'm telling you, this, is, this may not be sobering for you. This is sobering for me. And he says this. The second one came, said, came Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to them, and, and he said to him, you're over five cities. Again, what we do with our lives now makes a difference for eternity. Well, then the third one came and said, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid up in a handkerchief. I was afraid of you because you were a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. Did you hear what he just said? Well, well, Lord, here's your mina back. I, I just, I kind of put it in a handkerchief and I hid it. Why, why? Well, because I know that you're severe and you would have wanted more than I gave you. So I hid it. Okay, well, Jesus responds to him and he says, uh, or the, the master in the parable responds, and says, responds to him and says, I will condemn you with your own words. You wicked servant, you knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it? All right, so first of all, he's condemning this guy. Who is he condemning? He's condemning a servant. He's condemning one who is a representative. He is condemning one who's in the kingdom. And what is he saying to him? So he's saying, look, yeah, I, 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 let me tell you what I'm hearing you say. What I'm hearing you say is you are making up an excuse. You were lying to me because you were lazy and you refused to do anything with what you were given. If you actually believed that I would want more than I had given you, then you would at least have taken what I had given you and put it in the bank. What you're trying to do is come up with an excuse because you didn't realize that this moment was coming in which you will have to pay an account for what you had. Guys, I, I'm, I didn't write this. You know, do I believe God is gracious? Do I believe he's loving? Do I believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is here for every one of us who turns his heart to him? Do I believe he is accepting of us right where we are? Absolutely. But he hasn't called to leave us where we are. He's called us to grow from that place. You know, is this guy saved? Is he not saved? I don't know. That's not an argument Jesus is trying to make. The argument he's trying to make is we are meant to engage in the business of the kingdom now, and it matters. And there's no one left out because all of them were given an equal share. It wasn't some were having a whole lot more and was expected a whole lot and others had nothing. Everybody had the same. There's no difference, no distinction. What made them different and distinct is they called themselves a servant of a master. And they were called to engage in the master's business until he came back. So 
So he says to those who are standing by, he says, look, take that mina from him and go over there and give it to the one who has 10. And, and, the, and those who are with him says, Lord, he, he already has 10 minas. He says, listen, let me tell you. If a person is going to live their life and they're going to engage with the little bit, that's what, remember he said that, even though it was three months and it looked like a lot to us, he said, you are faithful in a little. If you're going to live your life and you're going to engage in the business of the kingdom and you're going to be faithful in that, you can't imagine the eternal blessing that that's going to reap on your behalf. You can't imagine it. He says, you know, that, that thing, it's not, it's not, in other words, it's not a one for one. It's not about earning something. It's not a earning your salvation. It's about pleasing the God who saved you from death. What we do with our lives makes a difference for all eternity. What we do with our lives makes a difference for all eternity. You know, the scripture doesn't tell us exactly what this engaging in business is. There's a whole lot of things it could be. A whole lot of things it could be. But when the gospel writers write, they write with emphases. And they make emphases and they make points. And I would submit to you two things. Two things. Now, this isn't the only things, okay? This isn't the only things. But it, it is a, the, number one, that currency is a currency of prayer. Now, why would I say prayer? Because in prayer, you recognize you're not the one who's sufficient. That to engage the kingdom of God, I have to engage God. And if I'm going to do anything, I want to see God move. I want to be following him and what he's wanting to do. And if you look in Luke and Acts, above all the other gospel writers, everything Jesus does, everything he does, uh, in, the, in the very beginning with Zechariah in the temple, when he's baptized, uh, as he's choosing the disciples, everything he does, it comes after he prays, after he prays, after he prays. He's engaging in the kingdom. Now, there's a second thing Luke points out. This is the second thing he points out. He points out that there's something that gets in the way of doing kingdom business. And he says, what gets in the way of doing kingdom business is your possessions. And so an anti, an anti-currency is your possessions. And, and, and over and over, you see stories in Luke about what? Give everything away. Sell everything and give it to the poor. Have, uh, uh, um, think nothing of your possessions. Who, he who would, would gain all of the possessions of this world, but not trust in God, would lose his own soul over his possessions. And here's the point. The reason why, and then he says this. He says, be a giving person. Give alms. Give, like what Isaac was talking about earlier here. You know, giving your life. Giving to the, the widows. Giving to the orphan. Now, let me say this. Here's the, here's the test, okay? Here's the test. Here's the point. 
See, I thought about the second point, prayer is one currency, and then, then I thought about giving as the second currency, right? I'll tell you why I said not giving, but I said anti-possessions. I'll tell you why. Because God is calling every single one of us to give all of our possessions to him. It's not a 90-10 deal. Everything belongs to him. Now, for some of us, that's going to be selling everything and give it to the poor. For the rest of us, it's going to be, Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've given me and how? Why? Because the principle of the kingdom, engaging business in the kingdom. You see, the principle of the world is this. Scarcity. There's not enough. I need to hoard. I need to protect. I need to keep. The principle of the kingdom is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should have eternal life. And that concept of giving is what overcomes death. It's the giving that overcomes the scarcity. And you can only do that when you love God more than your possessions. So we have two things. There's a lot more, but we have two things. And we're going to stop right there with those two things and what, in, what it means to engage in the business. Number one, are we calling out to God in prayer? Are we trusting him? Are we engaging him? Because he is literally waiting for us to do that so he can move in the world. And number two, which demonstrates we are dependent on him. And number two... Have we given him all of our possessions? Have we given them to him to let him do with it what we want, desire? And, let me, and, I'll, and I'll tell you how you know. Here's the test. Are you ready for the test to know what you've done with your possessions? Here's the test. Are you ready? It's very simple. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Why? Well, because if I have a good prayer life, it means I'm depending on him. If I don't have a good prayer life, I'm depending on me. My possessions mean way too much. Who are we depending on? I don't really care what our bank accounts are. We need people who have things that they can give to support the kingdom. That's all over and over and over the Bible. It's not about how much. It's about how much of your heart. It's about how much of your heart. Because you can't serve Two masters. Engage in business in the kingdom. It makes a difference for eternity. And that closes us out with this. Jesus finishes the parable and he says this. He says, but as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Wow. Can I tell you my thought as I thought about that? You can come on up. Can I tell you my thought as I thought about that? If I am a servant and I'm engaging in business, that should disturb me. That should disturb me. That should cause me to say, how can I engage in the business of the kingdom so that happens to the least amount of people? Because Jesus is returning as king. There's only two choices. We either serve him as king now or we serve him as king when he comes. We will all bow the knee before Jesus. Are we engaging in the business of the kingdom? Is our heart broken for the business of the kingdom? What we do with our lives makes a difference for all eternity. Not only our eternity, but the eternity of others. So... Bow your heads and let's close out with this.
This is you and God. This is you and God alone. Are you a servant of the kingdom? Or are you a citizen who rejects his king? Are you engaging in the business of the kingdom? Or are you self-sufficient? Are you depending on the king? Just think about that this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to move, to lead, to guide. 